Second John. Now, we're doing what I've never done before, and we're teaching two books at the same time. Uh, we're beginning our study in the books of Second and Third John this morning. As I was studying these books, I began to notice that they ran parallel to one another. In fact, it seems like you can't fully understand one of the books without understanding both of them. In my estimation, 2nd and 3rd John sing a duet. And I thought it would be good for us to enjoy listening to their harmony as we studied them. So again, this will be the first time I've ever taught through two books at the same time. And I'm looking forward to the blessing of studying them with you. In order for us to study them efficiently, uh, if you're like mine, I've got 2nd and 3rd John. They're, you know, they're side by side. So it shouldn't be hard for you to uh, keep your place. But just be prepared to flip back and forth uh, to the, the different uh, letters here. Okay. Now, when John is teaching in these short letters, uh, it's in the same spirit that we just learned about what John said in his first epistle of John. Okay. So 2nd and 3rd John are in the same spirit as 1st John. So there's no better time for us to study 2nd and 3rd John than right now. And uh, after we finish 1st John. So let's take God's precious word and let's look now in 2nd John together. Verse 1. John says, the elect, I'm sorry, the elder unto the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth. Now look in verse 1 of 3rd John. The elder the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. You see how they're kind of saying the same thing. And as you go through both of these letters, although the words will be different and the recipients will be somewhat different, the truth will continue to flow together. We'll bounce back and forth. So in 3 John, he writes... To uh, the elder writes, the well-beloved Gaius. In First John, uh, I'm sorry, in Second John, the uh, verse one, the elder writes unto the elect lady and her children. In both, he love in the truth. Now, in both of these epistles, I want you to notice that John is referring to, to himself here as the elder, the elder. He's writing from the perspective being an, of being an elder in the church. I believe some people think he's referring to himself as an old man. I don't believe that's what he's doing at all. I believe that as, as we continue to study here, it's going to fit perfectly into the context. But I believe he's writing from the perspective of being an elder to the church. And thus someone who's writing the church with the authority of God. Now... In 2 John, the elder writes, look in in, uh, 2 John, he writes to whom? The elect lady and her children. And in 3 John, the elder writes to this man named Gaius. All right, well, in 3 John, it's easy to figure out who John's writing to. He mentions the recipient by name, a man named Gaius. He wrote to Gaius, a man whom he loved in the gospel truth. But in, in, in John's second epistle, it's not so obvious to figure out who John's writing to, is it? Because John mentions nobody by name. He only says that he's writing to, quote, the elect lady and her children. And I'm 
from what I can tell, most Bible teachers are in agreement together that by the term elect lady, that John is referring to a high class sort of woman, perhaps a wealthy woman that John knew and held in high esteem. But I don't agree with the interpretation of the majority of Bible teachers on this at all. And let me tell you why. If this lady is a person, then why would John mention the person by name in his third epistle? If he's writing to two particular individuals, a person here and a person there, why would he mention the person in third John by name, Gaius, and just say the elect lady and her kids in second John and not mention that person by name as well? And why would the Greek word elect, uh, or translated elect here, why would this Greek word suddenly uh, 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 be used to describe a high-class woman or a wealthy woman when it's not used that way in the rest of the Bible? When you see the Greek word elect, or when you see the word elect uh, in the rest of the Bible, it's talking about God's elect. It's not talking about some kind of high-class, fluting person. It's not talking about the high class. It's talking about the holy class. And there is a difference. Those who've been chosen in Christ Jesus from the foundation of the world. That is what the description of God's elect is. Outside of this epistle, the apostle John only used this Greek word one other time. He used it twice in Second John. He used it once in the book of the Revelation. He used it no other time in his writings. So outside of this epistle, the only other time where John used this Greek word translated elect here is Revelation seventeen fourteen, where he described the church of Jesus Christ in comparison to the rest of the non-elect world who makes war with Christ and her people. In Revelation 17, 14, John said, These, that is the non-elect, shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. And the Greek word translated chosen there is the same Greek word translated elect in Second John. So who is this elect lady? She's the same elect lady that the Greek word translated elect is referring to throughout all the Bible. She's the church of Jesus Christ whom the apostle Paul calls and uh, in, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, quote, the elect of God. And she is called the elect lady because she is the bride of Christ. Isn't that right? The church is the bride of Christ. Listen to how John describes the church, this elect lady, who's being married to Christ in Revelation 19, 7 through 8. John says, uh, 
Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Okay, so that's who the elect lady is. That's the church. But I want you to notice the elect lady has children. You see that? <laughs> so so who's, who's the elect lady's children? Well, this is not hard for us to guess. Can you all figure out who the elect lady's children is? The elect lady's children are those who have been born of God by believing the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which the elect lady preaches. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, John said, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So I believe the elect lady is the church that John is writing to, and her children are the saints who belong to that church. Look what John tells Gaius in 3 John 1, 4. He said, look in 3 John verse 4. He said, I have no greater joy than to hear that, take your pen and underscore, my children walk in the truth. Now, they were John's children because they were begotten by John's ministry. They were the elect lady's children because they were begotten by her message. They were God's children because they were born of God through faith in God's Son. Now some would argue, no, no, the, the elect lady can't be the church. She has to be an actual woman in Second John because John wrote to Gaius an actual man in Third John. But the truth is, John tried to write to the church in Third John. <laughs> but it appears that he had to write to Gaius instead and, and circumvent, if you would, the religious leader of that church because that religious leader was full of himself, full of pride, and he would not accept John's epistle to the church. Look with me in 3 John verse 9. John told Gaius, I wrote unto the church, but Diatrophes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. For John tried writing to the church. <laughs> Isn't that good, brother? Church wouldn't listen. At least the leaders wouldn't listen. I believe John wrote to the church in both epistles. But he had to circumvent Diatrophes because he wanted to be seen as the top man in the church and not have the apostle John Hold that spot in the people's hearts. So, so he would not forward John's letter to the church. Now let me give you one more very strong reason. Why I believe the elect lady is the church that John is writing to. One, John said, look in Second John verse 1. John said, the elder unto the elect lady and her children... Whom I love in the truth. Look now. And not I only. But also all they that have known the truth. Now what about that? Now I've been preaching here in Maybank. I don't live in Maybank. But I've been preaching here in Maybank for over 10 years. 
I don't know everybody in the church down the road. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't know the Garretts until they came here. They've been going to church uh, here around here for a long time. I don't know half the people in Maybank. A lot of y'all were raised around here. You still don't know everybody in Maybank. Do you see what John is saying here? John's saying, elect lady, I love you and I love your children and the truth of Jesus Christ. And, 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 and that's how the saints love each other. We love each other on account of our mutual belief in the gospel message. Knowing that another person loves the, the truth of the gospel of Jesus like we do. It generates a love in our hearts for that person. And for this reason... True Christians love the true church of Jesus Christ and her children. In 1 John 5, 1, John said, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, that's the children, and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. And this is why John said that not only... Does he love the elect lady and her children? But also, all they that have known the truth loves the elect lady and her children. If the elect lady was an actual woman that John knew and loved, then how could every person who knew the gospel also know and love that same woman? I don't even see how that's possible. On the other hand, if the elect lady was the church of Jesus Christ, then everyone who knows the truth knows the church from which they receive truth. It's impossible for you to be saved apart from the church of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? If, if you believe in Jesus as your Savior today, it's because somebody in the church of Jesus Christ told you the truth. Whether it's from the Bible. You say, well, I, I got it reading the Bible. Then you got it from someone. John was an elder to the church. He was an apostle of the church sent out by Jesus Christ. You got it from somebody who belonged to the elect and her children. And the truth is what John is writing about to these churches. John loved the elect lady, he said, in the truth. John loved Gaius, he said, how? In the truth. The truth is what generates our life. We are the children of the elect lady. The truth is what generates our love. We are the body of Jesus Christ, who is the head, the groom of the elect lady. In Second John, verse 2, John said, Everyone that knows the truth loves the elect lady and her children. Look back in your text. How do we love them? For the truth's sake which dwelleth in us. We love the elect lady and her children for the truth's sake that dwells in us. The truth generates our love for the church and its brethren. And this truth, John said, this truth dwells in us. It dwells in us because we believe that truth in our hearts. We believe the record that God gave of His Son. So the, the truth of the gospel dwells in us. But here's the best part. John said it dwells in us. Look back to your text. And shall be with us how long? Forever. 
The truth of Jesus Christ is not going away, folks. This world's going to pass away. Heaven and earth, Jesus said, shall pass away. But my word shall not pass away. The gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not like the science of our day. When I was growing up, the scientists were warning us about global cooling. That didn't happen. So in the 90s, they started warning us about global warning. Uh, warming. <laughs> that didn't happen. In fact, temperatures have been getting milder lately, if y'all haven't noticed here in the great state of Texas. I thank God for that. So they dropped global cooling. They, they, they dropped global warming and they started talking to us now, warning about climate change. That way, no matter what happens, a hurricane comes, that global change, uh, or, or excuse me, uh, uh, climate change. And so, so the, 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 what's really changing though, is science. Think about it. Global cooling. Global warming. No just climate change. <laughs> What's really changing. Is the science. The scientists told us. Don't wear a mask. Remember that. Don't wear a mask. They're bad for you. Boy they can get you sick. And now they start saying. You have to wear a mask. And then the scientists. That can't make up their mind. Told us we need to follow the science. They were right for us, they said, when the science, as they admit, is changing all the time. But let me tell you something that will never, ever, ever change. Let me tell you about a truth that shall be with us forever. And that truth is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can stake your soul's well-being on the gospel of Christ today. And 10,000 years from now, it will be just as sure and just as true as it ever was. It's just as true today when I'm believing in it as it was when John was writing about it 2,000 years ago. It's going to be just as true uh, like, the, like the song says, 10,000 years and we've only begun, right? We're just getting started. Excuse me. John said the truth shall be with us. It shall be with who? Us. It shall be with the elect lady and her children. <coughs> and it shall be with us forever. And that means the truth shall never depart from the church. Ever. The church is identified. The church is the, the, the DNA of the church, if you would, is the truth. We're identified by the truth of the gospel and, and for the love of that truth that, uh, that uh, dwells within us. The Bible is clear that many who call themselves Christians will depart from the truth in latter days. The Bible is clear about that. There's going to be a great falling away. That is already shaping up as we speak. I shared with the church this week on our church announcement group that the American Evangelical Lutheran Church has departed from the faith. That's not hyperbole. They are apostates. They've departed from the faith. They recently referred to God as, quote, Mother God. And I just didn't read that in an article somewhere. I went to their own Facebook page, I read their own stuff, referred to God as Mother God. And they recently voted to formally state that it is impossible for the church to know what God thinks about other religions 
other than Christianity. We can't know what God thinks about those religions. It could be okay. Buddhism could be found. We, we don't know what God thinks about those. That's, there, there was one man. They had a formal meeting. You know how they used to have like the Council of Trent. And the different councils back in the day. And they'd vote to, to establish what their official doctrine of the church was going to be. They, the, this, the, this Lutheran group here. They recently voted on this issue. And one man got up. He said, but we can know. We do know what God thinks about other religions. Because Jesus said, no man comes unto the Father but by me. Well, they shut that up real quick. 97% voted against that man's statement. And they went ahead and carried it. Their official doctrine as, we don't know what God thinks about the other religions. So we'll just take care of our religion. Not worry about the rest of them. They could be just fine. It's amazing. Just like the Bible warned us, there is coming a great falling away of the professing church from the truth of God. But listen closely, church. The truth shall never depart from those who've been begotten by it because the truth is the gospel seed and that seed, John said in his first epistle, remains in the children of God. The truth is the seed that falls on the ground of our heart. When the heart receives that truth, then it springs up, it bears fruit, the roots in it, and it'll never go away. That seed remains in us. Listen again to how John describes this falling away again. Look in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18 and 19. He's going, to be, he's going to be writing to the, the, uh, the, the little children here. Listen how he addresses the children of the elect lady. In 1 John 2, look in verse 18. Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Why did this evangelical American Lutheran church go out from the truth to manifest they were not of us? The truth will never depart from the church. God has given the church the truth. The truth uh, uh, begets the church, it begets the children of God, and they cannot depart from it any more than I can, as Richard Fulton, depart from my parents. <laughs> I am who I am because I came from what I came from, and I, I can't change that. And as a child of God, I am who I am, and I came from what I came from, and I came from the cross of Jesus Christ. It's what I'm born of, it's who I am. Why would they have continued with the church had they believed the truth? Because the truth would have continued with them. You see? So in these letters, John writes to the elect church of Jesus Christ, sister churches, about the truth of Jesus. And he says to them, we'll learn more about that later. Look now in Second John verse 3. Grace be with you. Mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. And he tells that 
uh, to the late lady and her sister there, and and also by telling Gaius in the same uh, the same thing. Look now in third John verse two. He says, "Beloved, I wish." Above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. So John sent well wishes to these churches. And and these well wishes were were all based upon the gospel. They were sent in the name of God the Father. They were sent in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father. And they were all sent in truth and love. And that's the central uh, uh, theme to John's epistles. Truth and love. In all three epistles, truth and love, the truth of the gospel and the truth of the God that made, uh, or excuse me, the truth of the gospel and the love of the God that made that truth possible. The truth of the gospel and the love of God that made that truth possible. Now, I want you to notice that John did not tell the elect lady that he wished her physical health like he did Gaius. You notice that? Look back, look back in your text in Second John 3. He tells the elect lady and her children, grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father in truth and in love. But in, in Third John verse 2, he tells Gaius, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prosperous. Prosperous. So John didn't tell the elect lady that he wished her physical health like he did Gaius because the church is the universal body of Christ. She's a mystical body that stands perfectly healthy in Jesus, her head. But as far as Gaius is concerned, he wished that he would prosper physically as much as he did spiritually. And I believe that we should learn that not only should by, by this, that not only should we give attendance to our spiritual needs as Christians, but we should also give attendance to our physical needs as well. John, under the inspiration of the Spirit, is wishing this man to be in good health physically as he was in good health spiritually. Now, how do we get in good spiritual health? We don't get in good spiritual health by neglecting our spiritual well-being, do we? We don't get in good spiritual health by staying at the house and not coming to Bible study and, 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 and not devoting ourselves to God in prayer in some way. There's some type of discipline that has to be there to get yourself up off the couch and get into church, right? And open God's Word in the middle of the week and pray to God and read your Bible during the week. There's some routine we have to do to continue to keep spiritually healthy. In the same way, we need to take the necessary steps to maintain our physical health too. Same thing. He wanted him to be in health physically as he was spiritually. So as he did the things he needed to do to stay in spiritual health, then we also should do the things we need to do to stay in physical health. If we neglect our spirits, we're not going to prosper spiritually. If we neglect our bodies, Christians, we're not going to uh, prosper uh, physically. I believe it's a poor testimony to the gospel when Christians don't take care of the body God gave them. Man, I, I, I don't know about you, Brother Shepherd, but when I see a big, fat preacher get up, and he gets up and he's obese, he's up preaching, I think it's a poor testimony. I do. I think it's poor testimony of the gospel. When Christians don't take care of the body that God gave them. 
You have some obese preacher stand and he teaches from the pulpit. Or as I have once had a preacher who smokes cigarettes. And he knows that it's unhealthy for his body. And he's smoking these cigarettes. And I, I remember I'd go to church and, and uh, there'd be a song leader out. Smoking on the pipe right before he went in to sing to the Lord. It's a bad testimony. Christians, your body is a member of the body of Christ. Don't, don't say, well, hands off my body, my body, my choice. Listen, as a Christian, your body doesn't belong to you. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, Paul told the Colossian church, which are the Lord's. Glorify him both ways. We should take good care of our bodies. So that we can utilize these bodies as long as we can for the kingdom of God. I believe a lot of knee surgeries. <laughs> I believe a lot of, uh, a, a lot of uh, high blood pressure. I believe a lot of things that Christians struggle with could be avoided if we were to take care of ourselves. Many Christians could be spared a lot of health trouble if they had simply developed some discipline in their lives and take charge of their health by having proper sleep, proper diet, and vigorous exercise if they can. I know we get older. I understand that. But neglecting your body is a sin because your body is a gift that's been entrusted to you by God, just like your finances. It's been entrusted to you by God. And you're a steward of this body that belongs to God. Eventually these bodies are going to die. Even if we're young and healthy. We can still get killed in a car wreck. We can still get cancer. We can still become frail and crippled and ill. I understand all of that. I know all of that. But in the meantime. We should desire that our bodies. As John said here. Should be in health and prosper. Even as our souls do as Christians. It's just as much. A discipline that honors God. As reading your Bible and praying. As long as you don't do it in vanity. You can read your Bible and pray in vanity. Remember how the Pharisees got up. And for pretense they made long prayers. And, and they, 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 they lengthened the, 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 the length of their sleeves on their garments. And, and they did great works to be seen of men. And put things in the offering plate. Anything that you do could be done in vanity. But even with your body. You can take care of your physical health. In holiness. And God willing, we'll move forward in this wonderful book, The Next Lord's Day. But what I want you to close with right now is this. In both of these epistles, I believe we have strong confirmation that John is writing to the church of Jesus Christ and her children. And in these epistles, he loves the church and its children in the truth. And it is this truth... That is fundamental for the church to hold on to. For the church to to teach and encourage its members. Because the church as we near the end times. Is going to be identified by the true doctrine of Jesus Christ. And those who depart from the true doctrine of Jesus Christ. Even though they continue to hold a Bible in their hand. Even though they continue to. Say the word gospel. To say the phrase faith in Christ. And all these other things. 
even though they continue to mention those buzzwords, if they depart from the doctrine of Jesus Christ, they will not be the true church. And we as Christians need to be able to differentiate between those who are the elect and those who are not based on that. I went to a funeral yesterday. And I tell you what, I was sitting there and I leaned over to my wife as I was listening to that preacher preach. And I said, this is the reason I created knowimsaved.com right here. This is the reason. This preacher got up there and he started preaching about how we need to all know that we're going to heaven. He's a Baptist preacher. How we need to all in this area. And I don't want to hurt him or start any trouble or anything like that. So I'm not going to say who he was or where he's from. How we all need to know that we're going to heaven. And how we all have to have faith in Christ to be saved. All that sounds real good. And he told the people. He said. It's so easy. He said. All you have to do to be saved. Is just stop. And listen. And say yes to God. The Bible says, if anyone opens his heart and lets Jesus in, he'll come in and sup with him. He said, it's so easy a child can embrace it. Just stop and listen and say yes to God. And you know what's missing in all of that? The truth. Where was the gospel in all of that? Where was the gospel if those people did what that man said, they'd go to hell. Stop, listen, and say yes. Tammy leaned over and said, yes to what? (laughs) Yes to what? It was mysterious. It was mystical. Yes, I'll stop. I'll listen right now, Pastor. Yes, God. Yes. I want to go to heaven too. I'll be saved too. Saved, that's the word we use. Jesus, that's the word we use. But there's no cross in that message. There's no death, burial, resurrection. There was never once the mention of the word sin or sacrifice for that sin. As Brother Shepherd said, it was a squishy, bloodless, crossless doctrine. Empty of all truth. And Christians... We have to be the people. We are the repository of truth. The church of Jesus Christ is. It dwells in us. It will never depart from us. And we've got to understand the difference. Because as we keep nearing the last days. And we keep. I mean looking at what the uh, uh, evangelical American Lutheran church did. That's pretty easy. When people say mother God and we don't know about all the other religions may be just as equal. That's easy for us to find. But what's not so easy is when they wear suits like this instead of the the garb that the Lutherans were wearing there in that picture I was reading. When they're when they're heterosexual, not homosexual, when they hold a Bible in their hand, when they've gone to Baptist seminaries, they stand in Baptist pulpits and they use the same key words that we do. But they don't preach the key doctrine that causes. They don't give the seed that blooms in the heart and brings life 
to those who believe on Christ. And so with that, we'll go ahead and close. And God willing, we'll get back into this next Lord's Day. And we'll look uh, further at this very important truth. I tell you, I believe. I believe as I'm looking at the world right now. Folks, I, I shared with you all this week an article I read. I was reading my stock news. And I was reading about how the, the American government is very concerned because Bitcoin and some of these other uh, digital currencies are starting to undervalue our American dollar. And how all these other nations now, and this is not prophetic news. This is not in a Christian magazine. This was Bloomberg News. And how the other nations now are looking at digitizing their currency. Do you know what can happen when they digitize all the currency in the end? All the currency is digitized. They can cut you off just like that. You don't have paper in your wallet anymore. They can cut that flow off just like that. Flip of a switch on the computer. And you can't buy or sell. And I, listen, I'm not saying Jesus is come back tomorrow. I'm not saying that, that the, you know... The Antichrist is about to step out on the scenes. But I am saying, and I, I, I don't talk a whole lot about this. You all know that. But I am saying, this world's changing, and the second coming of Christ is shaping up. It is evident before our eyes. And the reason I'm elaborating on this <laughs> before we close is because when I read Second and Third John, and we're going to see him talking about people departing from the truth. As I'm reading it, I'm thinking, Lord, we're already starting to watch it. And everything that we've been told since we were little kids growing up in church, those of you who had the privilege of growing up in church, we're starting to see things finally begin to shape up to where we can hold the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. And you don't have to imagine it anymore and say, well, maybe a barcode could be the mark of the beast. I remember them telling me that when I was a kid. You had to have a real good imagination for that. But as you can watch things going on now in our world, watch things shaping up. As looking there, uh, the, the, the Philippine believers, we won a battle in the Supreme Court here, but they tried to shut the churches down when the COVID happened. I was reading from one of the Philippine believers today, and the, the government over there is try, trying to shut their churches down, but leaving the bars and stuff open, just like they tried to over here. Believe me, believe me, believe me. You get the right people in charge at the right time. They will take every Christian out they can. We will be the enemies of the state. The truth we preach will be the poison that, that stands in the way of world peace and everything else that they're trying to push. And you better keep looking up. Start praying. Get right with God. And be ready to give an answer always for the hope that lies within you. For that we'll close in prayer. Brother Shepherd, you still have your mic on. Would you close us in prayer? Thank you for truth. We thank you for your studies so diligently and declared it openly before us. We thank you for emboldening him to do so and us to listen. And I pray, Lord, that any personal feelings we may have about this or that doctrine would be wiped away. And we would see things from a heavenly perspective and that we would 
depend on your grace to see us through difficult times, and we know they're going to get worse, that your people would be faithful to the truth, to live according to it, and to preach it to others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.